Welcome to take your seat. Um, I know it's a bit strange. It's two songs in and you're already sitting down. Don't worry. We'll blessed be the Lord again um, in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, my name is Mleti uh, and I serve here at Willows. Um, and it's an honor and a pleasure just to be with you this morning. Uh, we shall be continuing our sermon series on Undignified, right? Um, and so... Uh, before I get started, you know, when I was thinking about Undignified, having a, a sermon series on worship, um, for the past, I think, four years, every year, um, at the beginning of the year, we start the year off with, with prayer and fasting as a global family. Um, and one of the things I list down each year uh, that I'm trusting for is a singing voice. <laughs> and, and this year is the year of miracles, right? <laughs> so, family, I just want to ask that we all join together in corporate faith that I have a singing voice by the end of this sermon series uh, so that I can worship the Lord. Because sometimes when I sing to the Lord, I'm like, whoo, Jesus, surely you can't be pleased with this. <laughs> um, but also on, the most, on, a, on another note, one of the things I'm trusting for uh, through this sermon series is that a song would spring forth from this congregation. That as we learn more about worshiping God, as we learn more about worshiping God biblically, that a song will come forth. And so I want to encourage you guys that in our moments of, of singing to the Lord, trust God for a lyric. Trust God for a line. Let's trust God that song will come forth. Last year, um, Eladis Park had a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and then they came up with a song that, Holy Spirit, singing voices will come. Um, <laughs> but there was a song that came out from that congregation that really blessed um, the citywide family as well. Uh, and so can we also have a similar testimony, but an even better song uh, that leads to revival? <laughs> um, yes, so this week, uh, we are continuing our sermon series. We are in week two. And the title of my sermon this, this morning is called uh, Foolish Celebration. Is it Foolish Celebration? Yes, yes it is Foolish Celebration. And as I was thinking about Foolish Celebration, um, there are some of us in this room who are young enough to still remember this moment. So, um, I'm going to start with this one. In 2019, we won the Rugby World Cup, right? The Rugby World Cup is coming again later on this year, uh, and everyone remembers where they were when we won the World Cup the last time. Everyone remembers that feeling because now, you know, there's, we're seeing the Springbok shirts, we're seeing the merchandise going up for sale, we're seeing the advertisements on TV, uh, there's the rugby schedule as well that we are able to see, and we are, there's, a, there's a nostalgia in our hearts when we're thinking back to that moment when we last won it in 2019. But before we won in 2019, we won it in 2007, right? Um, I know you guys still remember that moment. Uh, it was an amazing World Cup. Again, it was a moment of pride. But the one moment that really stands out in terms of the Rugby World Cup was the 1995 Rugby World Cup win, right? Um, the reason why it was such a significant moment is that it was a unifying moment for our nation. It wasn't just about winning this trophy, um, and it's amazing, yay, we have this trophy, yay, we finally get to uh, participate in the Rugby World Cup after years of not being able to participate. But what it meant to the country is that all of a sudden, it brought a nation together. 
because there was something greater than ourselves uh, on, on the table um, during that World Cup. So it wasn't just about the win of the LS Trophy, but it was about bringing a whole nation together. Then in 1996, we won the AFCON again. Another moment of national pride on South African soil. Again, it brought the nation together because we're such a divided nation. And this was a, a cat, these, were two, these two moments were catalyst moments to bring a nation together, right? If you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, the World Cup happened or uh, we won the AFCON, right? Don't fret because there are people who don't understand the significance of that moment and therefore it just flies over their head. There are people who understood the significance of that moment, therefore it was such a, a meaningful moment for them. In this scripture, we're going to be looking, in this morning sermon, we're going to be looking at two people. One person who the presence of God and the worship of God meant everything to them. And so when the presence of God returned, they celebrated foolishly. And then another person who did not understand the significance of that moment, who did not know what it means that the presence of God is returning, it flew right over her head. And we have the opportunity to not be like this person where we don't understand the significance of the presence of God, the significance of worship, but we have the opportunity to understand what God is doing and therefore we can celebrate foolishly. I think back to the 2019 Rugby World Cup win, 2007, 1995, there was foolish praise all over the nation simply because people understood what it meant. When there was the... Uh, the bus tour that was going around the nation, just showing off that trophy. People skipped work. People left whatever it is they were doing just so that they can go and celebrate foolishly. This, we have the opportunity to not do that just for a trophy, but for God. Where we can forget everything that we, we are doing. And just go and focus on celebrating who God is. Where we can forget the circumstances that are happening in our lives. And we can go and just celebrate foolishly before the Lord. So, could you please stand with me as we read. So, this morning we'll be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 6 from verses, from verse 12 to 16 and 20 to 22 in the NIV. So, we'll be reading from 2 Samuel 6 uh, from verse 12 to 16 um, and verse 20 to 22. So, it says the following. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has, he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michelle, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, 
I will be held in honor. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that your presence is here. And I just pray for a greater awareness of your presence. A greater awareness that you are here. You are seated on the throne. You are in control. May each and every single heart, each and every single mind, each and every single eye look upon your beauty and gaze upon the throne and focus on all that you are. May worship flow from our hearts. May worship flow from our body. May worship flow from our lives, Lord. And as I preach this morning, I ask that you would be the one who would speak through me. Whatever ideas, whatever thoughts, I lay them at your feet. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Speak to your sons and your daughters. Lead them into your presence. Name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, in this scripture, we have David uh, and we have Michelle, right? So, a, li- a brief history about Michelle. So, Michelle is Saul's daughter. Uh, and as Saul's daughter, obviously her father was Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. David was the second king of Israel. And when Saul was anointed as king over Israel, it was an amazing moment for him because he was so tall, he stood head and shoulders above the rest because of just how tall he was. He was a very handsome man. Uh, He looked better than most men. And so he had a stature that went with him as well. But one of the failures of Saul's leadership is that he did not prioritize the presence of God returning to Israel. So just to go even further back, When uh, the Israelites were in the desert after being uh, set free from Pharaoh um, and the slavery in Egypt, uh, the Lord commanded Moses to build an Ark of Covenant. And so in this Ark is where God's presence was going to dwell. And everywhere the Israelites went, they had God's presence with them. There was never anywhere they didn't go without God's presence. And so how this manifested was that there would be a cloud by day. And so when the cloud came down and it sat on the the, the, the Ark of Covenant, covenant they, the Israelites knew that now it's time for us to stop and not move. And then when the cloud lifted and it started moving forward, they knew that, okay, now it's time for us to pack up our stuff and to go. So they were following God's presence. And then in the evening, it was a pillar of fire. Um, so they walking in, at night, there's this pillar of fire, and it's showing uh, them the way and how to go. And then when the pillar of fire stopped, they stopped, right? So the Israelites lived uh, with God's presence. And then Life happened, and then they lost the ark to the Philistines. And so the Philistines had their ark, and they kept it um, where they kept their gods of worship. And so Israel did not have the presence of God. And so when Saul took, uh, was appointed as king, he did not prioritize bringing back the ark of covenant so that the people of Israel could have the presence of God, but he just focused on, I'm king now, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to acquire wealth, I'm just going to look good before the people, It is all about me on the throne. And God was just so displeased with Saul because, oops, sorry, his life was marked with disobedience to a point where God was like, actually, I'm going to ordain someone else as king. And so the Lord ordained David as king. Uh, David was was, was still a young man when he was ordained king. He was about 10, 11 years old when the Lord chose him as king. And after being cho- before even being chosen as king, one of the things David did is he prioritized a relationship with God. 
He prioritized the presence of God. He made God first. You know, even the Bible said um, there hasn't been one like David. Uh, David is a man after God's own heart. The Bible even says that God liked David, right? Nowhere in history have we ever had God like someone else. Uh, He loves everyone, uh, and that's just a nature of who he is. God is love, so he can't help but love people. But him liking was a choice that he made simply because of, of David's pursuit of his heart. Who here would like to hear God say, hey, I like you, right? Because he's not obligated to like anyone. But he's obligated to love because he is love. So he just can't help. He just loves. But because David pursued him, he's like, I like this guy. This guy is different to every other person. But him, I like him. I like him. And so he was then ordained king. Right? So, Saul finds out that David has been ordained as king, and what was his main concern? His main concern wasn't that, God, I've sinned, I've disobeyed you, and now you've taken your anointing and you've placed it somewhere else. His main concern was, what will the people say? What will the people say? Then David came along, killed uh, Goliath, and then the people started singing a song, like Saul killed thousands of people, but David killed ten thousands of people. And Saul was very concerned that, hey, David is being praised more than I am. Instead of remembering that those are the Lord's victories. They aren't his at all. So Saul made it all about him. That was the kind of king Israel had. And so even Hank last week touched on the fact that when David uh, finally assumed his position as king over Israel, one of the first things he did is that, why has no one inquired about the ark of God? Why has no one inquired that God's presence is not here with us? Why do we think it's normal for us to live without God's presence? Because we were designed by God in his presence. He breathed his breath of life, so he gave us his breath. And so in order to continue living, we need his presence. Yet, Israel has found it normal to live without God's presence. Why has no one inquired where is the ark so david goes he finds the ark he brings back the ark um someone dies uh it was a traumatizing moment last week uh someone died because david worshiped incorrectly but then he he repented and he worshiped the lord correctly and then no one died and so now we find ourselves at this scripture right so there's two people um there's the one who it meant nothing to the one who it meant nothing to, and there's also the one who it meant everything to. The one who it meant nothing to, and the one who it meant everything to. So, can we go to the slide after that first one? Yes, after this one. Yes. So, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. So, remember... Michelle's father did not prioritize a relationship with God, did not prioritize the worship of God, did not prioritize the presence of God. And because of that, she did not understand the significance of that moment. David had gone and fetched God's presence and brought it back into Israel. Why was she not there? She was sitting at home watching him from a window. When she could have been there, also dancing and celebrating before the Lord that his presence is there. One of the things I just felt on my heart as I was preparing for the sermon is that the Lord said, 
Um, if us as parents don't prioritize the worship of God, don't think our children will. What walks in one generation runs in the next generation. And so because Saul did not prioritize the presence of God, did not prioritize the worship of God, Michelle will not do the same as well. It is interesting that this, the scripture says, Michelle, daughter of Saul. But Michelle was actually David's wife. David uh, killed uh, 200 Philistines in order to marry Michelle. But the text in this moment doesn't identify her as David's wife. It identifies her as Saul's daughter because in that moment, she was choosing the same life as her father chose. So marriage did not make her more of a believer simply because that's what she was discipled into. And so if we as parents do not prioritize a relationship with God, do not prioritize obedience towards God, do not prioritize the worship of God, let's not expect our kids to do the same thing. We need to lead by example so that when future generations speak of our kids, they don't identify them by their disobedience, but they identify them by their obedience. They don't get identified uh, by, the, by the worship of the world, but they get identified by the worship of God. And so we see here that King David was leaping and dancing before the Lord. He was having such a great time because finally God's presence is here. One of the things about uh, being in God's presence is that you have no control of your body. You just react simply because you are in front of something that is so awesome, so amazing, so beautiful, so splendid that you have to respond. David responded in worship to what the Lord was saying, to what the Lord was doing in that time. David was celebrating that I, as an individual, I have experienced God's presence as a shepherd. But now, finally, the whole Israelite community gets to experience God's presence. It's not something that is for an individual, but God's presence for us as a community. The worship of God wasn't just for David alone, and he recognizes, and he wanted to lead by example so that the people would also recognize that they too can worship God. But then when he returned home to bless his home, to, 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 to speak a blessing over his household, to speak God's presence into his household, to speak God's presence over his family, the first thing the wife says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked, right? So he was dancing, now he's half naked. What happened? David danced so vigorously, um, and so full of joy in God's presence that his clothes just fell off. And he was just standing before the people, worshiping God in his underwear. That's how aggressive that he was, he, he was uh, worshiping God. And so when we sing, bless the Lord again, let's dance so vigorously our clothes fall off. <laughs> and so he danced vigorously and his clothes fell off. And in that moment, David could have been like, oh no, let me get dressed, let me cover up. But he did not care. He continued worshiping God. And to Michelle, that was just like, how have you distinguished yourself as a king? You are a king. You are supposed to be dressed in fine linen clothing and jewelry. Yet here you are in your underwear. No shoes. No, It's just your underwear. We see your flabby gut. Uh, we see your legs. We see everything. How skinny your legs are. We just see you. And you don't think it appropriate to cover yourself because you are king? And that, 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 that was her mindset she had. Same as her father, that she cared about 
what will people say? That was her, her, her priority. Uh, one of the things about in, in, my, in my culture um, that we were raised up in is that uh, you have to always dress a certain way, look a certain way, because the reason why is that what will people say? right? That's the biggest concern of our parents is that what will people say? And so then you end up growing up concerned about what will people say? What will people think? And so growing up, uh, when I ever, whenever I went to, ch- to church, I had to wear a shirt, had to wear a blazer, formal shoes, um, just look like on point Sunday best clothing because I was so concerned, what will people say whenever I get to church? What will people think of me? And then worship would be happening and then there would be people who are dancing and celebrating foolishly and then I'm just looking at them, I'm like, don't you care what people will say about your worship right now? Don't you care? about what people think about you. Sometimes I'd even go to church and see someone wearing shorts. And I'm like, ooh, ungodly. This one. (laughs) Because for me, worship was about just the way you dress, the way you behave. You know, uh, people ask you, how are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. (laughs) No way am I saying, hey, actually, I'm struggling. I'm not doing well. I'm not being authentic in my faith because I'm concerned about what will people say Therefore, I have to put up a a show for people so that I can please them. And in those moments when my focus is on pleasing God, I miss, I mean, on pleasing people, I miss on pleasing God. And that is the goal of worship, is to please God. And a lot of us are sitting here having grown up with different backgrounds, coming from different churches where our culture, our past church experience has affected our worship of God. And so even though we're coming before the Lord sincerely and we're worshiping him sincerely, but we are sincerely wrong because we're not worshiping the Lord biblically. We're worshiping the Lord according to what we think is right. And what happened last week uh, in Heng's sermon when David worshiped God according to what he thought was right? Somebody died. But here's what happens in now in, in, in this day and age. Your soul dies. You don't experience the life of God in your soul. You don't experience the life of God in your heart. Therefore, you end up leaving worship critical because you are just focusing on, the drummer really didn't do it today for me. Miriam wasn't hitting the notes that I'm so used to her hitting. Yolani was so exhausted after the dance. (laughs) Because in that moment, your focus isn't God, but your focus is just anything and everything that's happening around the worship. Therefore, we leave worship feeling like, worship didn't really move me today. As though we are worshiping ourselves. When what happens on stage should not have any influence on how we worship God. We're supposed to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Where we just are so awed by his beauty, his wonder, and his splendor that the people around us don't even matter. But because of just our upbringing, because of just our cultural experiences, there's a voice in our head when we want to worship. It just says, what will people say? What are you doing? No, you're not supposed to worship like that. Little did you know you just wanted to clap. Oh, and Miriam was teaching us the two-step. Two-step, two-tap, two-step, yes. The willow step, yes, there we go. (laughs) I'm sure there were some people in their hearts that were like, we aren't supposed to be doing this. This is not how you worship God. 
but we see that David was leaping and dancing. So what we were doing was actually bare minimum of worship. <laughs> it was bare minimum. Right? And so, then we have the one who it meant everything to. This is David. So to Michelle, that moment just flew over her head. It meant nothing to her. She was just concerned about what are the people saying, how her husband looks before the people. But then there's David, who that moment meant everything to him. So David said to Michelle, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. So David had an op- a choice to listen to the voice of Michelle. And one of the challenging things about Michelle, because it's, it's his wife, she means so much to him. My wife means a lot to me. And when my wife says something, I just it, 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 it puts me off sometimes. It's like, hey, you're looking kind of scruffy today. And then I'm just like, okay, should I? Should I go change? Should I, what should I do? What, what must I do to make myself look better? Because I care about my wife's opinion. My wife is important to me. In this moment, David did not even care. David did not care about her opinions. David did not care about her thoughts. In fact, David uh, rebuked her. And it was like, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. Pointing out that the Lord chose me as king. The Lord chose me because he loves me and he cares for me. And I responded to his choice of me. Your father didn't respond to the choice. Your father chose the approval of people rather than the approval of God. And, be, and your father's choice was so bad that it infected your whole household. Therefore, none of your household were chosen. And that's why he appointed me as ruler. Because I have been chosen, I will celebrate before the Lord. Because my wife chose me, I will celebrate. My wife was not forced to be in a relationship with me. My wife was not forced to marry me. I know for a fact that she chose me. And there are a lot of moments where I celebrate the fact that she chose me. The foolish things of this world were chosen. But I was like, you chose me. Therefore, I will celebrate. I even serenaded with songs with my not-so-great singing voice. (laughs) My poor wife. And so, I celebrate because I know that I am chosen. Anyone else could have been chosen, but I celebrate because I have been chosen. Second Peter, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen people, a holy nation. That is our identity. So each and every single one of us are chosen. Can we live our lives as people who have been chosen? Because each and every single one of you have been chosen. And when you come before the Lord, have the confidence that you are chosen and celebrate because of that. And David said, I'll be even more undignified than this. So you see me undignified that I am not well put together. I am not fully dressed. I am just in my underwear. I will be even more undignified than this because I was chosen by the Lord. I will humiliate myself in my own eyes 
not just people's eyes, but in my own eyes to worship God, I will humiliate myself because I am chosen. Because even though I'm humiliated in myself, I am loved in the Father's eyes. I am accepted in the Father's eyes. I am seen as, as a son in the Father's eyes. Therefore, in what I think about myself, what people think about me, and think about my worship, and think about my dancing, and my clapping, and my shouts of praise, I don't care because I will be even more undignified than this. Paul and Silas were arrested, and they were put in prison. And their response was worship. They worshiped God. They sang to the Lord. They proclaimed to the Lord in prison, in a tough environment, in a difficult environment where they could have been hurt, they could have lost their lives. But their response was an undignified response that they will be undignified. Can we be undignified as a church in our own eyes? Can we humiliate ourselves in our own eyes? Because when we are humiliated in our own eyes, we must know that we are loved and accepted in the Father's eyes. And then she says this, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I'll be held in honor. So you keep asking me this question about what will people think? Here's what people will think. They will hold me in honor. He filled in the gap. He did not allow his wife's voice to put doubt in what he knows about God. In that moment, he could have gave in to the doubt and be like, yeah, the slave girls, they could see me some type of way, so let me be more dignified. But he just decided to say, these slave girls who you say uh, see me as a vulgar fellow, they will honor me for my worship of God. So when you are faced with the question of what will people say, the people will honor you. Answer the question before you answer it with doubt. Answer it with faith before you answer it with doubt. So to summarize uh, my two points. So the one who, it, 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 a bit back. Uh, the one, uh, yes, so the one who, who it meant nothing to, she watched from the window. She wasn't there as people were worshiping. The worship of God was defined to her by her father. She despised David in her heart because she worshiped God. And she cares more about how she looks to people rather than the worship of God. And the one who it meant everything to, Worship was defined to him by his heavenly father. He was present in the worship. He cares more about worshiping God than what people think. And he responds to God's hol to the holiness of God. He recognizes how unworthy and unimpressive he is. And he rebukes Michelle. Let us respond to the holiness of God. Let us recognize how unworthy and unimpressive we are. That we would be humiliated in our own eyes. And let us rebuke that voice that says, is this the correct way to worship? Ben, could you please join me? And so, could you please stand as we transition back into worship? And before we get started worshiping God, uh, we are going to do this actively. Uh, we are going to respond, right? And so our first response, just it's between you and the Lord, the first one, where you're saying, Lord, forgive me for listening to that voice in my head that's leading me to not worship you. Forgive me for responding to my culture 
Forgive me for responding to my past experiences. Forgive me for defining how to worship you by myself. I love how Cindy started the service with thanksgiving and with testimonies. And now, I'd like to encourage you that there's going to be some holy chaos, and that's good. Forget about your neighbor. Forget about what they think. Now it's your time with the Lord. And so before we get into the music, I want you guys to out out loudly start thanking God for what he has done for you this past week. Start praising him for the testimonies that he has done this week. Out loud. Father, we thank you for the week that we had. We thank you that you sustained us. We thank you that your mercies are new each and every single day. Thank you that we have come and gathered together as a family. Thank you for your presence. We thank you for our food. We thank you for our provision. We thank you that you are God. And when you've run out of things of just thanking him for us, just start verbally praising him. Praise him for his goodness. Praise him for his character. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much you adore him. If you want to let out a shout, this is your moment to let out a shout. If you want to clap your hands, this is your moment to start clapping your hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord God. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Give thanks for he is good. Father, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you are God. We thank you that you are too big for error. We thank you that your promises are yes and amen. We thank you that you are a God who listens. We thank you that you are a God who restores. We thank you that you are a God who redeems. We thank you that you are seated on the throne and no one else is seated on the throne. We thank you for your word. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And Father, I love you because you are God. I love you because you put me on this earth that you created this earth for me to enjoy. I I love you because you have given me such godly relationships around me. I love you because you put me in such a healthy spiritual family, a family that loves you and worships you. I love you because you have redeemed me from the power of hell and from the pits of hell. And now I have access and relationship to you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your steadfastness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Praise Him, church. Keep praising Him. Praising Him. Keep praising Him. that he is faithful, his mercies on you every morning. Let us just praise him, let's celebrate him, let's adore him.
I'm going to shout it out. You are good. You are good. In the sun rain, my life celebrates. You are good. Let's declare it this morning. You are good. With a cry of praise. With a cry of praise. My heart will proclaim. You are good. Sun away, my life celebrates. You are good, you are good, Jesus. You are good, Jesus. And I sing because you are good. You are good. And I shout because you are good. You are good to me. And I sing. You are Walk 